You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. So good to see you this morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the student pastor here. And uh, it's always a privilege to preach at the Gateway. Come on, somebody. But I'm also very excited that Pastor Charlie and Gina will be making their way back here the next Sunday, and we're just so excited to have them back. Amen. Amen. We're in the fifth week of our series, Roots, Stories of Renewal. And in the first four weeks of the series, we have looked at Abraham, and we looked at Ruth and Joseph, and we looked at David. Last week, I talked about the one that we're about to talk about towards the end of the message, as it was the son of David, and his name is Solomon. We're going to look today at the renewal story of Solomon. Last week, in looking at the renewal story of David, we saw that Solomon served as a peace offering between God and David, as he granted forgiveness and restoration to him. Today, we'll look at how the blessing and favor of God of date from date through David, through on David through the Davidic covenant, now rests on Solomon. What I love about God is that He passes blessing on from generation to generation, and so what we do now really does matter. This isn't in my notes. But go ahead and take some notes for it. But it really does matter what we do on earth and what we do right now. If we show our kids that we can worship through pain and we can praise through issues and and we can believe even when finances may not feel right, if we can show them that, you know what, there is a God that's going to get us through this, the same God that allowed us to get in is the same God that's going to bring us through. If we show them this, generational blessing will begin to pass down. And so David was a great king. But Solomon was about to be a greater king and he was going to be known for his wisdom. Solomon was the last son of David and was the second born son that he had with Bathsheba. Solomon was chosen to reign as king after David. Solomon served for 40 years as king of Israel. The dates would be 970 BC to 930 BC. Solomon also is the author of three books of the Bible, most of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. He is known as the wisest king of Israel. We find the story of Solomon's life and reign in, in 1 Kings 1 through 11 and 2 Chronicles 1 through 9, we see that as we will read and look through these, and I'll bounce back between both texts, but we will see that God fulfilled the promises that he gave to David through Solomon. And I just want to tell somebody in this room, you may be in the waiting room waiting on a promise to be fulfilled. You may be waiting on God to show up in your life, but I want to tell you anything that God starts, he's always a master of finishing. Come on, I got to get an amen in this room right now. Pentecost is about to come out of me. But there has to be somebody in this room that's thankful that God fulfills promises. And if he starts something in your life, he's the God that knows how to finish it. And if he's ever done that for you, can you just take about 15 seconds and throw up a praise to God that he's a God that answers prayers. He's a God that fulfills promises. And I just warmed up. Here we go. Solomon is the king. And he was given an opportunity of a lifetime for a young king starting off when God met him in a dream. I think if God asks us this question, it's like whatever you want, you can have. I know what I'd be asking for. And it may not be wisdom. It may not be understanding. It may just be a house. I mean, I don't know. But I know I don't know what I would ask for. But when God comes to you and says, you can have whatever you want. And we're going to look at that text. What a blessing that Solomon had. And we find that in 1 Kings 3, 3 through 14. It says this, Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions 
given him by his father David. Except that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you or will ne there'll never ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience, that's the key. If you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Solomon asked for wisdom and understanding of the people's heart because he wanted to rule the people well. And he saw an inconsistency in his life. He thought he was too young and he thought he was inexperienced. So he didn't really think he could use anything but wisdom because people may look down on him. One thing I realized when I looked at Solomon before I even went further in the text is that he, was, he, was, he, didn't, he saw the inadequacy in his own life and he didn't realize that God could still fulfill a promise with people that may not look like they're adequate enough. I mean, you can look through the Bible and see that he used people that were like, no, we'd never hire them. They'd never be in my company. But God used people that was so inadequate and he used them for his glory. For instance, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Who wants to listen to somebody that stutters a lot? God says, no, no, no. You stutter now, but when I start to fulfill my promise, I know how to fix things. Oh, man, I'm about to start preaching up in here. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. But God decided to still use all these people for his glory. So if you're in this room and you're like, you know what? I don't know if God wants to use me. I don't know if I have what you're right. You don't have what it takes. But when God gets you into a place and starts moving in your life and starts changing some things, he'll use you for his glory. Yeah, they may have counted you out. Yeah, they may have said you won't do nothing. But I have good news for somebody. When you surrender your life and your heart to God, he can use anything. And if you believe 
believe that. Can you just help me and give God praise in this place? Come on, Ryan. God used all of these men and women, and he can use you. What I realized about God a long time ago is that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Everybody in this room, we all have inadequacies. We all have issues. We all all have things that we bring to God. But if we didn't have issues, why would we need God? We need God because we are imperfect. We don't have it all together. But what I love about God and I always have is that he's not waiting for me to get everything together in order to come to him. He says, come to me and I'll help you get everything together. I'll help you with your marriage. I'll help you with your kids. I'll help you with your finances. I will put everything together if you'll surrender to me. Solomon realized the value of wisdom and understanding for the role that he was about to walk in. God was so pleased by his response that he gave him riches and wealth on top of the wisdom and understanding. Can I have anybody to help me testify that God never does just enough for you? He always does more than enough. He always, when you ask for peace, he always gives you more than enough peace. When you ask for healing, he always gives you more than enough healing. When, he gives, when you ask for joy and you ask for strength, he always gives you more than enough. Because what? He's a more than enough God. Why wouldn't I go to a God that is more than enough? Solomon realized that, yeah, he needed wisdom. He needed understanding. But really, at the end of the day, he also needed the wealth to fulfill the dream. And we're going to talk about in a second what he did. But he would have needed that wealth and God knew all of that. But I believe in the same token when Solomon said that, I believe God was also testing his heart to see where his heart was at. We don't like sometimes when God puts us in a situation to test our heart. But I want to tell you, he tests our heart because he's control. When we allow him to control our heart, he's in control of our life. And when he gets control of our heart and our life, he can do anything with us. But he likes to look at where the heart's at. That's not in the notes, but take it anyways. (laughs) Solomon went on to build the first temple of Jerusalem, which took seven years, and then he built a palace, which took 13. Now, I'm a biblical numerology guy. I love numbers in the Bible, and number seven is the number of completion. Number 13 is the number of promise. It's just amazing to me how these two numbers coincided together, and then you get the number 20. The number 20 is about the completion of uh, the waiting and patience. And if you look at the number about waiting and patience and how God completes the task at hand, and what Solomon had with his hands was 20 years of work from the temple to the palace. He built these things, and after 20 years, he was able to look and see the faithfulness of God. That's what happens when you trust in God. That's what happens when you give God everything and you totally surrender to him. He'll complete the work in your life. Don't worry, I'm getting later on to Solomon's life and we'll, that'll be the, the heart of the, the meat of the message today. But we can't look past the fact that Solomon did have a season, a long season in his life where he trusted in God and he was faithful to what God gave him and he was a great and wise king. And he built a beautiful temp- temple. You look from chapter 5 to 9 and you just see how magnificent it was, how beautiful it was. I mean, gold was, I mean, listen, gold was everywhere. It was bling, bling. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the temple was just awesome. And then he began to dedicate the temple. And after dedicating the temple, we find in 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 20, It says this, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night. 
take note of that, at night for the second time. Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Here we go. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, he starts talking to Solomon. As for you, if you walk before me faithfully, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne as I have covenanted with David, your father, when I said, you shall never fail to have a successor to rule over Israel. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I have given them and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it beyond a byword and an object of ridicule among all the peoples. In 1 Kings, we don't see the scripture we see in 2 Chronicles 7 through 14. And many of us, we like to say this is the ingredients for revival. But I want to read it again. You don't have to put it on the screen. I'll read it for you. But it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. He was telling Solomon to listen, the, the temple is beautiful and it is awesome. And I'm going to show up there. I'm going to show up there as long as you're faithful to me, as long as you honor me, as long as you live for me and you trust in me. And he gives the ingredients to Solomon that if you look through the church, everybody quotes this scripture, that if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. And we go through that process, but we have to realize in order for him to hear us and heal our land, we have to do four things. It says that we have to humble ourselves. It's hard to humble yourself when you're in a position like Solomon. He has everything. Even realizing that what he has came from the God that he serves. But he had everything. And it's easy for us to start getting sidetracked when we got stuff. And it says humility. Humility is the first key. And then number two, prayer. We can't pursue a God that we're not willing to communicate with. Prayer, communication to him is one of the keys to bring revival to our land and revival to our homes. And number two, he said, I want you to seek my face. To seek his face means everything else has to blot out. Everything else has to be surrounded out. You have to get everything else out and seek his face and his face alone. Humility, prayer, seeking his face. And one key we even talked about last week, turning away. It's easy to be humble and to pray and to seek his face, but it's real hard when you're asked to turn away from that thing that's been drawing you to a place to where God wants you to be. And if we're going to see revival break out and we're going to see revival in marriages and families and homes, we have to do those four things. We have to be humble. We have to pray. We have to seek his face. And we have to finally turn from our wicked ways. And then he answered and he said, I will hear from you and I will heal your land. 
That's the ingredients to what God wants to do in reviving our land. And that's what he told Solomon. Listen, God knew Solomon's heart. He knew that once these riches and the wealth and the wisdom and understanding was going to come on him, it was easy because he's human to look at other gods and worship other gods. Why? Because he was in a place where he could control things. He was in a place where he had pretty much everything he wanted. And that's the position the enemy likes to get us in, that we get to a place where we feel like we don't need God anymore. I know, this, I know everybody's looking at me, this is tough, but this is true. There will never be a moment in your life where you don't need God. Now, I'm not saying stuff's a problem. Stuff is awesome. But there, I promise you right now, you can ask celebrities. You can ask people that are billionaires. There will never be a moment when you don't need God by your side, God in your heart, God in your life. You will always need God because when stuff fades, God remains. My dad used to always preach, and I loved it. He said, you'll never find a U-Haul, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And I was like, man, that stinks. But what I realized is living this life, God will bless you and he'll bless you richly. He loves his kids and he loves taking care of his kids. But at the end of the day, he cares more about your relationship with him than the stuff that he blesses you with because he blesses you with things not to sit in but to bless others with. Come on, somebody. And so you're gonna be blessed and he wants to bless his kids, but more, more important, he wants to bless your heart. He wants to touch your marriage. He wants to touch your family. He wants a relationship with his kids. And Solomon started to get... As we'll begin to read, he started to get a little sidetracked. He built a beautiful temple. And you even look in both accounts in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, the glory of the Lord filled that place. I mean, the glory of the Lord moved mightily in that place. You can feel the presence of God. You can feel such a, a tangible presence of God. And that's what God says he'll do when we honor and, and, and glorify him. And, and when we live for him, he wants to show up. He wants to fill this place with his glory. He wants the presence of God to flow. But we have to make sure that our heart is right. And our heart is in the right place. God was pleased with the building of the temple. He loved what Solomon did. You have to note about this temple is that Solomon didn't use Israel's money. He used his money, he used his wealth to build this temple. Solomon's heart was in the right place for most of his reign. And he will go down not as a man that we'll talk about in a minute about 1,000, 15 million wives it looked like. We're going to talk about that. But no, we know him as the wisest king of Israel. And a, a man of, I mean, he was an awesome king. And God can do awesome things. But he also wants to deal with the impurities in our life. He also wants to deal with the stuff that we got going on that can stop us from the fulfillment of the promise. Of the promise. God's into fulfilling promises. So if you're sitting on one right now and you're in the waiting room and you feel like you've been sitting in the waiting room forever, like you do when you go to the doctor's office, I unfortunately had to go this past week and, and they told me, oh, you can just walk right in. And I said, yeah, right. So I sat there and I had my son Noah. That was a bad idea to bring a three-year-old to a doctor's appointment. And I, it just felt like four and a half days that I sat there waiting on this doctor. And the moment I get there, what happens? Two and a half seconds and the appointment is over. 
That's what I love about God, though, is you can sit and wait and wait and wait on the promise and say, well, God, when are you going to show up? And then the moment he shows up, boom, it's done. Your marriage is better. Finances are better. Things are better because that's what God does. He doesn't, listen, sometimes he'll allow you to go through things, not because he doesn't love you. It's because he loves you. He wants to teach you. Oh, I'm preaching whether you like it or not. God's response to Solomon well, shows us that God cares more about our relationship with him than the stuff we have. And what I would say to you today is don't get caught up in what we are doing that we forsake the God that we're doing it for. I can, listen, as a minister and as someone, I'm a pastor's kid and, you know, church is all I know. I find myself many times focusing more on the work for the Lord than the Lord of the work. You're trying to meet timelines. You're trying to do this and do that. You're trying to be the best pastor's kid you can be and, and you're always pro, you know, going for these things and you don't realize is that he never asked you to do any of this stuff on your own. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna get human and try to do things our own and, and try to make success happen. But what I wanna tell you is when you take your life and you take your marriage and you take your family and you give it to God, I promise you in just a short time, he'll do more in your life than you can even imagine doing on your own. God will bless everything you do that brings him honor and glory. But he cannot bless, and this is gonna be nice right here, he can't bless who you pretend to be. That's good, Ryan. He's asked us over and over again, bring me everything you are, even the blemishes, even the hard situations, even the stuff you're going through, even the sins you have in your life. Bring it all to me because I'm not a God that's trying to bring shame out of you. I'm trying to bring healing out of you. I'm trying to change your life. I'm gonna take the shame the enemy's using and I'm gonna use it for my glory to show you that you're a son and daughter of the king. You're a child of the most high God. He wants all of you, even the bad parts. He wants all of your life. He wants all of you. God realized with the money and power that Solomon has, there's an opportunity for him to look at other directions and to do other things. Whether you know it or not, there's always an enemy fighting, looking who he can devour, the Bible says, like a roaring lion. But the God I serve knows how to roar a lot louder when I allow him to on my behalf. Solomon made a place for God to be glorified and for the presence of God to dwell and the glory of the Lord filled that place and he was honored and glorified. But it was when later on in the text in chapter 11 when we see that he took his eyes and he got caught up in the stuff he had and he forgot the God of the stuff and the God that blessed him. And he forgot and I think a lot of times we need to realize the power of the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we get so caught up in our life and, and the things that are going on that we forget what happened in the temple. We forgot the glory of the Lord that filled that place. And the same glory, it's not confined to a building. The presence of the Lord is in us. And the, he wants the presence of the Lord to move in our life. And, and we have to understand the presence of the Lord makes a difference. He hasn't called us just to be filled in the temple with the glory. He said, I want you to be carriers of my presence. Carriers of my presence. It was great that Solomon built the temple, 
But God was more interested with him carrying the glory on the inside of him and carrying the presence of God on the inside of him. Because you know what? In your office, they didn't come to church. They didn't see the glory that moved on Sunday, but they can feel the glory in your office. They can feel the glory in the presence of God in your cubicle when you allow him to move in your life no matter where you're at. That's what being a carrier of the presence looks like. Solomon is re- While Solomon is revered for his wisdom and establishing the first Jewish temple, He's also renowned, unfortunately, for the sin that he committed at the end. We find this in 1 Kings 11, 1 through 9. The bank could go ahead and come up. I don't have a time clock, so I'm not sure if I'm late or if I just have never been starting. (laughs) So it looks like I have 40 more minutes. Okay, everybody buckle up. Okay, 1 Kings 11, 1 through 9. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. For those that like math, that's a thousand And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. As the heart of David his father had been, he followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Melech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Shamash, the detestable god of Moab, and for Melech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. You see there it said that he... Help them build high places. If you go back real quick to chapter 3, before the temple was built, where God showed up in a dream, it says that he built a high place in a place called Gibeon. So he went from offering sacrifices in a high place to the God of Israel. Then he started creating high places for other goddesses and gods for, because women drew him to that way. He began worshiping the wrong gods. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person because you start diverting and going to other things and doing other things. What it means is you're still in need for God. No matter how much stuff you have, no matter how many things you've seen, the glory of God, and you've seen all this stuff, you still need the presence of God. You still need an encounter with God. You still need to walk in God. One thing I realized about this is it's never a good time to let your guard down to the enemy. No matter how long you've been in faith, look at Solomon, king for 40 years. He was in this thing a while. He honored God for a long time. But don't ever let your guard down because the moment you start to let your guard down, the enemy's ready. But I'm so glad that when the enemy fights, if we allow God to go before us and fight, God will always win the battles in your life. But you have to surrender. We look at Ecclesiastes. They don't have it on the screen, but if you look at that whole book in chapter two, Solomon talks about the riches and the power and the money, that it was all meaningless 
because his relationship with God is what's most important. He's warning us and telling us that all this stuff was meaningless compared to God and he got his eyes off of the one. Solomon discovered there was emptiness in stuff without God. You can stand to your feet in the room. There's a story of a young banker. He was driving his BMW down in the mountains during a snowstorm. As he rounded a turn, the vehicle slid out of control and tore a cliff. At the last moment, he unbuckled his seatbelt and jumped from the car. Though he escaped with his life, his arm stayed in the car. Ouch. A trucker passing nearby witnessed the accident, stopped his rig, and ran back to see if he could be of help. There standing in the state of shock was the banker at the edge of the cliff moaning, Oh no, my BMW, my BMW. The trucker pointed to the banker's shoulder and said, Man, you've got bigger problems than a car. With that, the banker looked at his shoulder, finally realizing he lost his arm and began crying, Oh no, my Rolex, my new Rolex. What that man was dealing with was he stuck on stuff and he stuck on success and he lost the fact of what the relationship we have with God, no matter what we lose or what we gain, our relationship with God is what matters most. And as I was preparing this message, he said, Ryan, I want to bring a refreshing of my presence to marriages and to families and to minds in this room today. I want to bring a refreshing of my presence. I want the glory of God to fill their life again. I want them to know what it feels like to walk in me, to trust in me, in everything and for everything. There are three lessons that we, life lessons that we learned from Solomon. We learned to trust in God in everything and with everything. We learned to not, to value, not value the promise more than the promise giver. And we learned... Do not stop being carriers of his presence. When I was preparing this message, the Lord said, Ryan, I want to I have some carriers of my presence again. In this room, people that feel far away from me, people that feel like they've, they've went in different directions. He says, no, I want to call you back and I want you to be a carrier of my presence again. I want to give you a refreshing my spirit. I want to bring a refreshing to your family and to your marriage. I want you yeah, it's great to build things for God, but God wants you more than anything. He's chasing after you. But have you found it in your heart to pursue him afresh? To pursue him in a new way, in a fresh way? So as always, you can come for communion. But I believe in this room. You say, Pastor Ryan, I need a refreshing. I don't want to just come to a church and feel his presence, but I want to be a carrier of his presence. That no matter what the enemy tries to do, no matter what things he throws at me, I want to be a carrier of his presence. I want his presence to speak louder than any issue in my life. I want to be a carrier of, my, of his presence. When I count to three, I want you to come to this altar. We're going to worship. But I believe God wants to do something in the heart of man today. Again, you can respond through communion. But as Pastor Charlie always says, movement matters. He wants to refresh somebody's passion for him again. He wants to bring a refreshing of his love and his goodness and his mercy and his grace in this place again. He wants you to be a carrier of his presence. For that's what we've been called to do. When I count to three, come. One, two, 
three, come all over the room. Let's worship. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.